Traffic Jam is on now. Hey, welcome to Traffic Jam. I'm your host, Kenny Williams. And I'm sitting here with Last Comic Standing. They're ready in the Netflix special. They're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, Ida Rodriguez. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm still working on my Spanish. Don't th- f- forgive me. <laughs> okay, I'm still working on my English. I get it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, let, let, me, let me get to it. And, and I'm, I'm learning you like the audience is learning you. When and where did your con- comedy journey start? So my comedy journey began in Los Angeles, actually. Um, oh, okay. I moved here to be an, uh, an actress and a writer. And, um, and I, I came to comedy later, though I always wanted to do stand-up. I didn't start doing it until I moved to Los Angeles. So I didn't start in another city and come to LA after being established. I decided to do stand-up in one of the toughest places to do stand-up in the world. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Is <laughs> a, a different, that's a different city altogether. Where are you originally uh, from? So I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, I lived in New York when I was young, when I was a kid, not when I was younger, but um, I claim Miami because I spent most of my life there. Okay, okay. This is what's always been like in, in watching so much of your stand-up and either like your, um, for comedians, sometimes comedians, it takes some years to get to their point of view and their perspective and being clear and being confident to, to stick on it. Did that happen for you in the very beginning? Or did it just like, you know, like a lot of comedians start with hacky jokes just to bring the audience in. Like you come with heavy topics, very political. Was that in the very beginning or like you gradually got into that? No, you know, I, I that's actually a really good question. I started, uh, I would say that I started with a heavy point of view. I had to find my funny because the difference between a comedian and an orator is comedy. But I did have some hacky jokes at the beginning. I did have some corny jokes. I think that's just part of becoming, being a comedian, being afraid. Um, But I did start with some heavy uh, topic. If if people who watch my standup will say that I've always been this person. It's not like I was a different style of comedian and then evolved to this. I've, I mean, I came to comedy as a grown up, So, okay. it was, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, I didn't start comedy when I was like 16, like Dave Chappelle and then 14. I started as a woman. So I had uh, some clear views and ideas about what I, how I saw things. But I had to learn to adjust that point of view for comedy and make it funny because that's the point of comedy. Did, was there anyone like that um, that mentor you or give you like pointers and say, okay, this is how comedy and this is the technique, the elements, and this is how you get to the funny? Well, yeah, of course. Um, I had a lot of mentors, especially when you do stand up and you're a woman, everybody chimes in. Everybody has, <laughs> yeah. everybody wants to mentor you. Everybody wants to give you advice. They do it to newer comics, but to women a lot more because for some reason men think that they have the, you know, this thing over comedy. Um, but I do have some good mentors and a lot of people did pour into me you know, like Chris Spencer was one of those people that really poured into me and 
Faison Love used to come to my shows and haze me and <laughs> he's like my brother and he would be, you know, he would like say, make that funny. Like, uh, it was really interesting. I did have some mentorship. I did have a lot of people from our, um, our community that poured into me to try to help me with comedy. Absolutely. Okay. And one of the things you, you say, like Tiffany Haddish, like, is a friend. And I know in this comedy business, like, like friend is thrown around like love. Like, mm -hmm. yo, that's my boy. I always knew him. We was always, but you really claim like this has been like a true friendship. Like y'all had a pack, what have you. Why do you say that she's been like a friend? And you know how this business is to really claim someone to even develop that relationship. Why do you say that? Well, we were friends before her fame. You know, we mm. were been friends since I started stand up. And um, our friendship has been uh, not based on this business, even though, in all honesty, Tiffany is one of the people who's also poured into me and, and, and she knew, you know, my struggles. So there were jobs when she didn't or wasn't able to um, do some jobs, she would throw them to me and say, hey, book her, she's funny. But, you know, beyond that, we spent holidays together, our birthdays together. Uh, we've cried together on the phone. We've been friends with each other through, you know, relationships and breakups, like uh, like friendships. It's not all based on this business. And um, it's been, you know, we've we've shared a lot of things with each other. She has a lot of friends. She's out, She's one of those people that has, uh, you know, her set of old friends and her new friends. And she's always... Uh, just been someone that I pick up the phone and call and you know I called her yesterday and I was like hey can you do this for me and she was like nah I can't do it and I was like I, I'll talk to you later. I'm gonna see her today we're gonna do a show later on today um yeah it's just we we actually are friends and if she wasn't famous I would still be her friend and you know I our friendships are really not based on this business I think it's our friendship has been based on just solid stuff that has nothing to do with this business. You're watching The Traffic Jam. And let, let me say this, in, in, in watching your performances and, uh, <clears throat> and watching like a lot of different um, tall, what, what is your height? And, and it, it's not a pickup line, but what, what is your height? 510. No, no, it's funny because people can't tell sometimes because they see me on television. And then sometimes they'll be like, wow, you got some really long legs. And people ask me all the time. I'm 510. I am tall. Why, I'm say why I say that, and this is not even for women. I, I know it even with men, mm -hmm. when I'm talking about the 6'5 guys and the 6'8, they tend to crunch down because they're so tall or they sit down on stage what made you so confident? Like you got the high dress showing the legs and what, was that something you gradually came to as far as like, um, I'm just gonna be me or that was just, a, what was that? So, that, I mean, that that comes from my grandmother actually. My grandmother was a femme lady. Um, Everywhere she went, she had she carried a purse. Her purse always had to match her shoes. She got her <laughs> hair done every Friday, got her nails done every Friday. And she would take me with her. And, um, you know, we, we have this perception of television where that's the show, right? You know, okay. the shows are practiced. Um, the weekends are, you know, the playoffs. And TV is the Super Bowl. And so okay. 
she would all, you know, there was always this expectation that when you're on television that you look like a star, right? You want to be a movie star. You want to be a TV star. So look like it. Don't go on TV. Um, and, you know, it has a lot to do with being um, the child of, of immigrant mentality. Like you, you dress up for stuff. And so I've always done that. I've been, I mean, I looked at pictures of myself since I was little. One of the things my grandmother always did was buy me dresses to wear on Sunday. Dresses, she, she liked to see me in dresses. They call them batas in Spanish. So it's, it's just been something that I've always done. I also modeled and I, I like be, being a feminine. I like wearing dresses. I like wearing makeup, getting my hair done. I like the shoes. I like, I enjoy that and I, I don't apologize for it. So I don't understand why in comedy, I would have to suspend that if I'm funny. Okay. And I, you know, one of my other mentors is Corey Holcomb and he used to always tell me, you know, men wear suits and men wear jeans. It's the same thing. And, yeah. and as someone told me, if you want to host the Oscars one day, you're going to have to wear a gown. So what you going to do then? <laughs> How's it going? My name's Carlos Celebranaz. I play Prince Marky D in the salt and pepper biopic. Check me out on Traffic Jam podcast. <laughs> How was that experience? Um, and I like what, what, what the whole thing, how it, um, cause you did the first season of mm -hmm. They Read It, mm -hmm. right? And you did the, the half and that. What was the experience like? So the, I was shopping my hour. Uh, I was already working on putting my special up and mm -hmm. I was going to the networks. And then Tiffany, Tiffany had told me she was working on this, that she was gonna do it. And I, uh, you know, I just kept working because I felt like she was, she had just hit the, this fame thing and I know I thought I thought it was very noble of her wanting to do this but I didn't honestly I didn't believe that she had the time to do it so I just continued to work and when she called me to do it it was great because I got to work with people that I love and respect um Shantae Wayans and April Macy are like actual friends of mine they're wow yeah you know, um they're people that I was on the phone with Shantae last night helping her with something april and i april's in hawaii like they're they, we're all very good friends um i love marlo i've known marlo for a long time flame and i became friends as at this experience and we've become very close and tracy ashley i did last comic standing with so it's oh. like i had a connection to everybody on the show so it was actually a really good experience. It was very positive. There was no cattiness behind the scenes. Like we can honestly say that it was just really good, good vibes. So, so let me ask you this, that with, um, would you say like you're in another lane because you're a Latino comedian? Um, no, you know, it's funny because there are a lot of comedians that, end up in certain spaces and uh, unfortunately or fortunately for them some people want to stay in those spaces i actually am blessed enough to be able to do play stand up in places that don't match you know for example one year i did nickelodeon mom's night out that's a very <laughs> mainstream clean yeah. i did last comic standing which was nbc very mainstream middle of the country also did Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam, which is an urban thing on Showtime. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to do, I did 
two seasons of Stand Up and Deliver, which was on Nouveau TV, which was a Latin show. And I did HBO Latino. So I, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm blessed enough to be able to just be my authentic self, no matter where I land. And people just receive me because they can see my, they can relate to my, me as a human being. Um, so, you know, my lane is very different. There are comedians who, uh, for lack of a better word, stay put in a certain market and can only speak to one group of people or not, are not allowed to cross over into the different, you know, sections, but I feel blessed enough to be able to do that. And I think that when you focus on the human experience, mm -hmm. people relate to that, you know, no matter what they're, but I'm always going to speak uh, like someone that comes from where I come from. Mm -hmm. And I'm always going to speak from the place of honoring black and brown people. And I'm never okay. going to apologize for that. So, but that creates a way for me. Oh, okay. So, so, you're a woman of, of many hats. Like mm -hmm. you, you're a writer. Too many. Uh, yes. <laughs> Too <laughs> but many. Where, where, what is your, your like, and, and, and I'm not saying it you, but what is your, your passion? What is your, your writer, actress, comedian? So I'm a, I'm a performer at, at my core. Writing is, is the, writing creates a way for me to do the things that I want to do. Hollywood is not, um, set up for black and brown people it is set up for us not to get in and that's just the reality of it. it the tv shows the movies the roles they're not created for us this is now that we are that we're creating some space where people who look like us are writing the tv shows and producing the movies that we get to see those but when I moved to LA, there wasn't uh, an abundance of roles for myself. So writing is what creates that for me. I love to perform. Stand-up is something that I came to later that I love to do and I respect and honor. Acting is something that I've been doing since I was a kid. And, you know, I, I started, um, uh, I, I remember in high school, I wrote a play for myself that I starred in and I produced on a high school theater stage. So I think that, um, you know, my love is to perform. I'm an artist to my core. I like to express myself through many mediums, which is writing, acting. And I don't know if I can choose between acting and stand-up, but I will say that at this moment in my career, stand-up is more my husband and comedy. And uh, stand-up is my husband and acting is my lover. And uh, <laughs> stand-up is what created the opportunities for me to go back to acting and do the, the acting that I love to do. Was, it was created by my ability to perform as a stand-up comedian and not me going to audition after audition and working in the acting space. So you're um, working on a, your po now podcast just the, is Young Turks? No, my podcast is called Truth Serum. The Truth Young Serum. Yeah, that, I just finished that. We just did because it's on Fridays. Truth Serum is a news network that is a progressive news network. And I'm a contributor. A con yeah, I'm a contributor on it. So I do power panel on Fridays. And that is the news that focuses on stories that you don't see on the mainstream media that, that tell the stories of our communities and people of color and, and progressive thought. What was uh, the topic for uh, today? I, I, I haven't done it yet. It's, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, what, what is what is young? What's Young Turks? The Young Turks is yeah. the it's the name of the news network, and it's based on this uh, a group of people in Turkey that were 
would fight for uh, equality and there were revolutionaries and it's not about Turkish people, but this specific group. And that's why the Young Turks is called the Young Turks. And I, I'm looking at this so I could show. So today the stories are minimum wage. We're talking about Rand Paul, the golden calf thing that they're doing with Donald Trump, which is some religious crazy, Mitch McConnell, and then plastic surgeries are up in the pandemic because of Zoom calls. Those are the stories that we're covering today. Okay. You're watching the traffic jam. You're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I am. But it, you know, that's just right in line with, you know, a lot of comedians do this. Uh, that are more that speak more on political issues, like um, Alonzo Boding does it. Helen Hahn. There are different comedians that come on. So it's it's a it's a space that's created specifically for comedians who talk about uh, political and social issues. Okay. In your um. We all going to leave a legacy or mm -hmm. people to remember. Give me three to five projects that you um, want people to remember you by. Oh, wow. That's a really good question. So I would say, I don't know if those have happened yet. I'm working on a movie right now called Dancing with Raymond that I, is based on my family's story. That's definitely something that I want people to remember me by. It's a love letter to my family. Um, I guess my They Ready stand-up special is something that's very, very dear to me because it's it talks about things I had never talked about in stand-up comedy, specifically being kidnapped. Like I never really... I, it was very hard to make jokes out of stuff like that because it's painful. Um, um, I think uh, my son and my daughter are, you know, the my greatest labors of love and, you know, the, the, the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to my legacy. I, I think they're both incredible human beings and, um, you know, they, they will continue to do the work because they are also believe they stand and believe, and the things that I believe in. Um, my TV show that I'm working on right now with HBO Max, which is based on my life with my, my family, my children, that part of my family, um, that's something that's very, very important to me as well. And I think I'll leave the last space for something that I haven't done yet. Oh, okay, okay. 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 There's one thing, I, and I didn't even cover it, and this is so interesting. Um, last comic standing. As far as like with comedians, are you for competition? So no. I mean, I mean, I'm very uh, conflicted on that because a lot of people who I respected told me not to do a competition comedy show. I remember Dave Chappelle was like, "You're a comedian. Don't do that show." But the truth is that there aren't that many opportunities for us, black and brown people in comedy. So sometimes we have to do what we have to do to get the visibility so that we can get the work. I don't regret doing Last Comic Standing. Um, Wanda Sykes and Paige Hurwitz, who were the producers of the show, saw to it that I was properly, you know, that I was treated fairly and that I had a, the best, op, the best uh, opportunity and the best experience that I could have. But do I think that comedy should be um, competitive? Probably not because it's based on people's point of views and it's very subjective. And how do you rate you know, a comedian who does comedy with a guitar 
versus someone who does hardcore political comedy. They're very different. And the judges are going to judge it based on what they think is funny, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I think that now I understand what they were saying, but they were also speaking from a place of privilege because they didn't have, they had different opportunities than I did. Okay. Okay. You like in your stand up, you talk about, um, it sticks out in my mind because I'm a stepfather mm-hmm. is when your stepfather got his ass whooped at the light. Mm-hmm. What, what, <laughs> did that happen early in your uh, age? Like how? Yeah, I was, I was younger. I was younger. Uh, my brother is the one that was really traumatized by that because that was his real father. And, you know, to watch your father get beat up by a stranger. <laughs> something that I would perceive as a victory um, is something that, you know, he perceives as something traumatic and it's painful. I know it's painful for him to watch me make a joke about that. Um, but, you know, it, people are multidimensional and my father has some issues. He, he definitely has some issues. Uh, he was really young when he got with my mom. My mom was really young. She had two kids and it was, a, you know, a difficult time for him because he had just defected from Cuba. He never got to see parents alive again. Not to justify, but to give it context. I think it's easy to just demonize somebody because they are, they are problematic, but I think we are all problematic. And, you know, I chose to forgive him and move on. We're not best buddies now, um, but he's, he is the father of my brother and my sister. And he was there and he provided a life for me. And, you know, in areas where he was weak, um, you know, that's life, but there were areas that he was strong and things that he did for us that was very, you know, impactful in a positive way. So I just, I just learned to, the joke was the best revenge, you know, the joke went viral, (laughs) people loved the joke and uh, people could relate to it. And I hope that that joke landed on somebody and maybe gave them perspective on how they were treating their stepchildren and and could give somebody, you know, perspective and maybe improve a situation. Yo, Wagwan Miyot, this comedian A.G. White, not white, no. And you're listening and watching and jamming to the traffic jam. Another thing we're gonna do for the chest is good old fashioned push-ups. So we're just gonna do a regular traditional push-up have the hands about shoulder width apart, feet about hips width apart. Go ahead and lower yourself down, chest to the floor. Have the elbows slightly kissing the rib cage. Down, exhale on the way up. Make sure your butt's not up here. Make sure that it's not sagging. You want a nice solid high plank as you go into this position. Extend, come out. One of my favorite chest exercises. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having so. What do you have coming up? I, mean, I know you mentioned it, but um, how can people find you? And what do you have coming up? How can we look out for? Um... So awesome. Next week, I have a show coming out with Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club called The Mastery of Comedy. It's coming to um, Facebook Watch, I believe. Okay. And it starts, I believe it will start airing next week or the week after. Um, And I'm also taping my comedy special for HBO Max, which will be shooting, I think, in June. Mm -hmm. Um, In the meantime, you know, They Ready is still uh, streaming on Netflix. I have a special on HBO Max. 
and I have a special, and I'm on Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam on Showtime. Um, they can follow me at Funny A-I-D-A on Instagram and Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's Ida, A-I-D-A dot Rodriguez. And that's where my show, Truth Serum, airs um, every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Hey, thank you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Ida Rodriguez Layden. Thank you once again. Oh, I thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, uh, you know, thinking of me and, uh, you know, I appreciate, you know, just being thought of. I, I'm grateful for it. It's We are just people. Yes, yes, yes. So, hey, this has been Traffic Jam and I've been your host, Kenny Williams. This is the Traffic Jam.